Hello and welcome to another episode of the Halal Travel Podcast. You're listening to me, Hazira Rauda and Nurul. And today, uh, we have to make sure that we articulate well. Yes, right, very much. With um, good articulation and pronunciation. Proper English. Uh, proper That's English. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because today we have Shamia Bafadal. Um, she is a senior speech and language therapist. From NTUC First Campus. Hello, Shamia. Thank you so much for joining us this rainy day. <laughs> Hello, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Thank Looking you for coming. Yeah. Alright. So before we, without further ado, I'm just gonna um, ask you to introduce yourself first. Let us know, like, what is the definition of a speech therapist? Yeah, okay, so uh, I'm Shamia. I work uh, as a speech therapist within a school setting. A speech therapist basically works with any individual who has communication problems mm-hmm. or in the hospital setting, swallowing or feeding problems mm-hmm. as well. So uh, within my work setting, I work with children who have been flagged by their classroom teachers. Mm-hmm when they have problems, you know, participating, speaking up, mixing with their friends, and then we come in and take a look at the kids and what problems they have. That's mm. the gist of it. That's yeah. interesting. And today you're at a school. Yes. So what I do on a typical day is go to a school where I've been told, you know, there's a case. So mm. I go over there and I, um, you know, assess the child, intervene. So we, we give packages of intervention service like that's what we call it so there's a speech therapy package that we offer children who have been flagged by teachers mm. and we tell the parents oh do you want to have a speech therapist come and take a look mm. you know and work with your kids so then for every school term i get a batch of kids to visit around singapore mm-hmm. um under my NTC first campus which is the my first school mm-hmm. the orange uniform kids yeah mm. and i go to the school you know talk with the teacher and then have a session with the kid mm-hmm. uh, in between his classes and his lunchtime, etc. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just had one session this morning. That's um, nice. The last one for his package with me, actually. Yeah. Nice. What well, actually is one of the most common reasons why a kid would get flagged um, for speech therapy? Uh, therapy. Right. Uh, most common one would basically be unclear, like he can't when I mean, nobody can understand this child when he speaks mm. basically so you know the the payload term that's common right. uh, among malays um or teacher says like doesn't pay attention in class sometimes not paying attention in class can mean like you're not interested mm-hmm. but more often than not not paying attention in class means you don't really understand what's happening Mm-hmm. So you have trouble understanding, which is a prerequisite to speaking. So if you don't understand, then you can't even participate and speak up, right? So you can't mm-hmm. engage. Yeah. So what we call engagement problems. They can't engage in the lesson. They can't participate. Then you have to take a look, um, and you know assess the language. So basically, I come in and take a look at all the skills that he or she should have, mm-hmm. and whether they they lack. Skills mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What age uh, are the kids normally that you you come in and help? 
one each. Mm. So right now, because I'm in this school setting, typically the packages we give are for K1 and K2 children. So between four mm. to six years old. So mm. just early before intervention. Get, before they get into primary one. Okay. Yeah. Technically, you can work. I mean, actually, I did used to work in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take your hospital so we would teach children very very young mm-hmm. um, like one plus you know one and a half to two years when you expect the first words to come around that's actually when you should start intervening mm-hmm. when right. you think it's not coming along already you don't want to wait until they're in K1 la. Mm-hmm. So usually sometimes we get these kids at K1 and we're like, oh, you know, why wasn't he seen earlier? Why wasn't, mm. you know, he, he was flagged earlier? It's just sometimes parents are not maybe that well informed or they don't feel like it's an absolute need to mm. look for help. And, you know, they'll just come along. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the problem is the gap between that child and his age peers becomes really big mm-hmm. and then they you know they can't really participate as they should for their age la. and then they can't mix as well and then it impacts their social interaction yeah mm-hmm. it impacts their well-being as well definitely mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. i'm just wondering like um maybe because they have not yet before they enter k1 they have not yet um met people of their age or like you know like bump around with people around their age if do you find that people who or kids who enroll themselves in nursery like N one N two, they mm-hmm. tend to strive better. They tend to communicate better because they are already in a school setting right from the start. Or is it like there are some things that parents can do at home if they are not in, uh, if they're not comfortable with enrolling their children uh, in nurseries, right? So. It's a little bit loaded, that question, because it's not that um, straightforward. Mm. Like, if you enroll your child in childcare, so it's pretty common nowadays that, you know, working parents, they put their kids into childcare by one and a half, right? Mm. Even if, like, actually I have nieces and nephews who's, like, my parents, my grandparents take care of the kids, but actually most of the day they're in the childcare at one Mm. and a half years already in there what benefits the child when they go to that setting is the very rich mm-hmm. environment that that child is put in within the school right so there's like programs and play teacher talking story reading playing with peers so what actually helps language development is stimulation mm, okay. interaction interaction so that being said it's not that if you keep your child at home until their nursery two and then then you send the kid to school doesn't mean they don't get that stimulation if the home environment is equally stimulating mm, so yeah. you can imagine a home environment that's very vibrant or like if you think back to kampong days or like when there's a lot of people around the child and the child actually mixes with people of different ages or like even older people whose language modeling is actually much more powerful Mm -hmm. than just playing with other kids, that kid might be equally good or better. So it's not so much about going to school and therefore learning language. It is how much language stimulation and interaction is that child receiving throughout their early years that actually improves their language development. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So if it's the school setting that helps us get it within our urban, you know, modern life, mm-hmm. then that's where you should send your kid earlier to get that stimulation. If at home all he's going to do is sit in front of TV while grandma cooks, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes yeah. that's what happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then that might be a good decision to put your kid into a school earlier. That's true. That's true. So it's about the in, in like interaction and stimulation, lah. Rather than oh, it's a school setting. You're teaching the kid. Kids yeah. don't actually learn. I mean, yes, you know, you can teach a child things, but language actually develops by participation or interaction, that connection and rapport with other human beings. Mm-hmm. That's how children learn to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's Very something. Cool. Something that. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because like we, I mean, I grew up with like tuitions and yeah. like phonics classes and everything. So I always feel like students or like kids that are enrolled in like different, different classes, piano class, whatever class, they tend to Get communicate a better, mm-hmm. you know, the head start and everything. But it's mm-hmm. so true because I have grandparents, I grew up with grandparents at home and they articulate well, I would believe. <laughs> Malay A1. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so like since young, they have, you know, trained me to... Um, speak Malay yeah. and it's something that we don't see every day even in the children nowadays you yeah. know because people speak English most of the time so we're missing mm-hmm. out on that so there are pros and cons here and there home or at school mm-hmm. so it yeah. really shows a lot of um, different strategies lah, basically so yeah. I just want to know like what do you actually do in like these therapy sessions to yeah. oh. stimulate many things I mean it really depends on each child depends on what problems they have um, but if I can give like typical kind let's say it's a speech case so basically a speech case means you have problems producing the sounds in mm-hmm. words but when you have a language case it means that you sometimes you don't even have the words in your head to begin with mm-hmm. so there's a difference right mm-hmm. so speech is about clarity language is about the content itself so if i have a speech case then maybe i'm working on particular sounds so i've like tested this child as he talks and i cannot hear him say f sound correctly or the f sound correctly or the k achieve sound correctly so then i have goals that i want to help this child achieve which is to make those sounds right so then i actually like um show him how we put the tongue where you know like if i if mm. i make the s sound i say like you have to smile and close your teeth and then you let your air mm. so by this age you're about five six um if they don't have concomitant like language or IQ problems, it's usually an okay thing to approach them, teaching them these sorts of instructions and then helping them produce those sounds. So like we'll practicing the sound in words, at the start of the word, at the end of the word, and then we'll have games in between like, because otherwise it gets really um, repetitive and boring and stressful. It's actually hard for them. So we'll have games, you know, they'll, they, when they say a word correctly, they get a sticker. Mm. So that's a typical thing. So therapy is founded on, number one, the child's ability to engage and connect with the therapist first so that the learning can then happen. Mm-hmm. So when they have that rapport with the therapist, then we help to support them in the learning we want them to achieve. Lah. So sometimes when we have children who have bigger problems like autism basically we just play mm-hmm. like i'll take out a bunch of toys and then like i'll follow his lead so one of the biggest things that therapists do across the board not just speech therapists but like 
um, psychologists, occupational therapists. We basically play a lot with children. We follow the child's lead. Mm -hmm. So on a one-year-old or a three-year-old or sometimes even a five-year-old that I'm having a therapy session within a school needs a space where they can be themselves mm -hmm. so then to be able to express themselves so then they yeah i let them express themselves the way they want and i follow their lead mm. i actually find it very interesting when you mention about the certain exercises to improve articulation of words right um, especially right. in your speech uh, therapy session um, it kind of reminds me about how my uh, Chinese language teacher teaches you how to pronounce certain words so I think it's all about like learning new languages and I can see like some similarities in that sense so it's fascinating mm. yeah 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 I think I feel like the challenge comes when you know when you try to fix someone not fix lah much like try to guide someone who is pilat in, in other words uh, or like have difficulty speaking the challenge is um being able to uh send across what you mean is correct so like when you explain it like a smile and let let the air pass through you or something to pronounce cor correctly that's not something that i think we normal people are used to you know people when they say like uh, just pronounce S. You know, just S. Because sometimes <laughs> kids don't get it. Uh, same thing with like NG. How do you pronounce Ng? You know, people are like Ng? Ng? You know? So like those are the things yeah. that I think it's very difficult for us normal people to do. That's why speech therapies can be um, vital or like important at times, you know? Mm. And I think like the connotation on like therapy itself, people always seem like, oh, it's much um something to do with medical and yep. something very heavy. But it really is not, <laughs> I think. I think it's something like what you say, stimulate um which one, eh? stimulate language. Yeah, language and everything. So yeah. I mean yeah. if I can add that, because I mean what you said about you being medical, I mean the I did use, I mean, I did work within a medical setting previously. Mm -hmm. So speech therapists, perhaps more so than the other therapists, kind of straddle the educational sphere as well as the health or medical sphere. Mm -hmm. Because what we deal with is an area of development that impacts um, usually academic and social success. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about physiotherapists, it's about musculature and it's about, you know, your mobility and it's a lot closer to the medical side of things. Yeah. But when I work as a speech therapist, actually we do work closely with doctors. Even within my school setting, how I get those therapy packages is that we sit with a panel so like other therapists and a doctor and we actually evaluate the cases and we think through, oh, what is, why is this child experiencing developmental problems? Because there might be a medical mm. problem here, yeah. right? But it's, so it's about actually bridging certain fields in that sense, like, you know, understanding the medical aspect of things, but then bridging it towards like quality of life and educational development. And so sometimes it's a little bit tricky um, to navigate with teachers about what their area of, you know, authority or purview is versus us, right? Because it looks like we're teaching English as well. Mm, yeah. But the thing is, um, I, we don't teach English. We are more concerned if 
your language is a problem if your english isn't great mm-hmm. but your malay is super for instance you don't see a speech therapist mm. that's not a speech therapist mm. job that's an english teacher's job okay but if your language is bad in malay or english it means you actually have inherently you know whether it's part of a syndrome or whether it's just you your own brain um your style of learning perhaps doesn't facilitate your language learning so you do, you don't develop malay skills or english skills then it becomes a therapist's like concern lah because we want to look at the deeper things mm-hmm. so when a child cannot copy a sound when i'm trying to figure out how to help the child i'm looking at different things whether the child's listening well mm-hmm. to begin with mm-hmm. whether it's an organizational thing in the brain so sometimes a child can't tell the difference between a k- and it mm-hmm. so there's something like you know it's just perception and processing sometimes is the tongue like the kid that I just saw earlier today he has the tongue tie so when he can barely protrude his tongue before the tongue becomes a w because there's a the frenulum we call it under the tongue yeah. the tongue is pulled further back they can't really move so well so there are the factors that we kind of have to consider beyond the educational the typical mm-hmm. education that then we kind of have to support teachers with mm-hmm. so the reason we're in the school is because we acknowledge that actually in most ways these kids are healthy mm-hmm. you know they're not sick kids but something about their development is not really helping them fully access education like other children mm-hmm. right so that's where the specialty comes in from our profession whether it's the psychologists or occupational therapists or all my colleagues within the school setting and then we support their participation in the school mm-hmm. working with the teachers in fact yeah i think it's refreshing to see this this side of speech therapy because we had another guest we had fahima uh-huh. who was a speech therapist but she was working in a in a hospital medical setting right so i yes. think we at least for me um yeah having heard both sides of the story and he- hearing you know the different challenges you have um i think it, it's really refreshing yeah. mm. what is your advice on getting kids attention because um my mom used to be a preschool teacher so she said that if you want to get right. attention turn off the fan and turn off the lights but i just realized that it is an old <laughs> trick now among the kids yeah Like I literally heard the kids say like, "Oh, this teacher using another old trick, or that you know." Oh, really? <laughs> really, really. <laughs> so I want to ask, what is your advice on getting their attention? It's so difficult. Please tell us an advice. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting. It's a very interesting. So switch off the fan, switch off the lights. First, I assume that I mean it's a preschool teacher, so you are trying to get attention of a whole group of mm. kids. Yeah, a bit different. So my area, I mean, we usually work with one or at most a few kids at once. Mm-hmm. So to get an attention of a child, you follow them, you follow their interests. Okay. So you think what what adults do when they try to, you know, you see a cute kid when you know, high raya visiting or relatives kid or whatever, and then you know, oh, you want to engage this kid in conversation, right? You don't ask questions. It's like an interrogation. Mm. You just make comments about what the kid. is doing already okay or, you know just get into the play or like let's say the kid is like fixing lego or something and then you just like oh that's so cool mm. i can make this too or like you know, mm. so you go to their level you be a kid yourself mm. that's how you get a kid's attention i think most adults kind of lose their ability to play when they become adults yeah yeah so the way to get 
to connect with a kid again is to play with them. Mm-hmm. That is. I mean, it's a different thing. thing if you're a classroom teacher, lah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good thing because I feel like as a child, if someone just keep asking me questions, just you call it, just. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting because like I was just talking to a friend and she just gave birth and she was um saying how oh you guys can come over and babysitters because I have like nieces and nephews and she yeah. can play with uh, her she has two sons I'm like oh, okay and she said you'd be surprised how many adults don't know how to play <laughs> so I was like oh okay <laughs> so I guess it's, it's doesn't maybe doesn't come oh. naturally for some people yeah. uh, maybe they're not around kids but like um, I think uh, she also mentioned about uh, some um, kids being born with like issues with the tongue so like my niece uh, she was when she was born you could see the I, I don't know what was the, what the name for it but it was really short, uh, short so her tongue was it made her tongue short so when she pronounced some words um, it's not clear so her yeah. S's are not clear her R are, are, is not clear so at a young age when she was like two or three she had she had it cut Ooh. so it um, yeah. yeah so it could be as flexible as how our tongues are mm. so that as she grow older she wouldn't you know have difficulty so we wanted to get it like my, I think my sister wanted to get it done early mm-hmm. and also the doctor advised you know to do it early mm-hmm. and she was really brave mm-hmm. uh, she did it uh, and wow. got a certificate now? <laughs> yeah now oh. she's, she, she's pronouncing clearly mm. so I, I guess it, it's a combination of a few things right like developmental also milestones and maybe some kids are not able to hit at their age uh, but also maybe some children are, are born with some yeah. you know uh, difficulties yeah. when trying to pronounce yeah. but what happens yeah. to you know kids that maybe you come in and then you help them uh, you go through the packages but um, at the end of it perhaps they still have some issues um, right. what would you recommend to these children yeah in fact that's more common than not like every kid that I see within this setting the preschool setting perhaps 30% we say we discharge meaning you know they've resolved the problem yeah. most of the time it needs to continue because mm. we, we can only offer a couple of packages it's not that much actually considering you know sometimes the problems the extent of the problems they have so what we usually do is we, we furnish reports la, and then at the end of package we recommend that child continue usually therapy outside Mm -hmm. whether it's the same therapy or whether it's occupational therapy or like we sometimes say um educational therapy or literacy support Mm -hmm. for after uh, or like we say um they call it one in primary school learning support in the early years in primary school or other therapy services at primary school level so usually Mm -hmm. it needs to be continued for a longer period i mean Therapy is not like a pill mm-hmm. solution thing. It usually is a process. Mm-hmm. And typically the ones that we manage to resolve tend to be the milder ones, mm-hmm. uh, most moderate. And then, you know, there's no bigger issue than, yeah, you know, okay, you're happy to go primary school, no more delays developmentally. But like the bigger problems like autism, for example, which is a staple in my caseload. Uh, so that kind of lifelong condition is something that will come in and out of that individual's life. Like, you know, so at preschool level, they might see a therapist and then, you know, they're kind of okay. And then maybe at primary three or primary four, then problems start to crop up again. And then they might need to see a therapist mm-hmm. again. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we do give recommendations for the longer term. One of the bigger things I do is help parents kind of 
envision what the road's going to be like after this mm-hmm. whatever you know that particular child is experiencing that just wondering like yeah. for people or like for kids who are born with like a short tongue or like all these um difficulties that are that they are born with uh not like mm. uh, on a communication level like um do they have to live with um the disability for the rest of their life or is there a way that we can work um around it in a way where like if let's say i have a short right. tongue but i don't want to do the operation is there a different way for me to pronounce s for example and still sound correct but with a short tongue so <laughs> you're saying if you were an adult like an adult with mm-hmm. a short tongue yeah <laughs> so what um uh was related just now that oh, tongue, we call it a tongue tie release actually okay. so that's pretty common and it's a very easy procedure to do mm. it's very easy and that would be what would be have been recommended lah, yeah. you know yeah. to parents so but if like, let's say you're an adult and you have speech impediments we call it right yeah. it can still be corrected so it's the same thing speech therapists of course still see adults i mean the previous speech therapists i assume work in a adult setting and would have worked with yeah. adults mm. and one of the biggest things in hospitals is obviously swallowing or feeding related to you know life threatening mm. diseases or illnesses but communication problems still exist and we do intervene and you can have a speech impediment that was not resolved when you were younger but you can still be resolved as an adult it might just take a little bit more work because you are you have so habituated yourself to the way you talk okay it's a bit harder for you to maybe change certain patterns that you've been so used to mm-hmm. but it's possible for sure lah. okay that's um, good And of course, each is a case by case thing. You know, like if someone has a seriously a short tongue, um, and it really hinders the movement of the tongue, uh, and maybe perhaps I don't know. I'm like imagining like even with the tongue tie release, you know, it's like not going to be that much range of motion still. Sometimes there are certain situations where the communication really is. limited by whatever inherent biology or physiology mm-hmm. that person has right so there are many things like outside of like just an adult situation you just a scenario you just depicted like maybe serious problems like syndromes in children um you know there's like a random thing that i just suddenly remembered something called kabuki syndrome mm-hmm. which is a syndrome that some children are born with they never manage to learn to communicate no matter how much therapy we give it's something that is inherent in the child so what we do is give the picture of the situation with the family and enable them to connect to their child as best as we can but that's that, that's how the child will be you know so it's, it's really case by case um and as far as we can work at something we will uh, it's always us looking at the options that each individual has mm-hmm. um and compensating if it's really something impossible so like they might not speak verbally mm-hmm. but are they going to be still very great at like typing something out mm-hmm. so is it really just a motor problem and then maybe we use what we call augmented systems or technology to support communication mm-hmm. so there are things like that as well mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually kind of waiting for the time when you know to help these kids who have difficulty to communicate, uh, be it like verbally and writing, for instance. Obviously, probably there's going to be a very um extreme case, but I do foresee that you know as technology progresses and then you have that mind machine where you can um actually read the 
the brain waves yeah. and then you can um showcase what it goes on into the minds of the child i think that would really help us you know better understand them as an individual yep. itself right yeah mm-hmm. it exactly. must be very lonely actually if you were that child i'm like hey i'm so different like, i'm trying to communicate but you guys don't hear me i just can't yes. imagine being that mm. yeah i think that's similar so, to also like autism children with autism it's very not sad lah. I don't know how to say it. Lonely. Lonely. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's part of my, I mean, that's part of the reward of my work actually. Mm. It's really helping individuals connect themselves and not being to express yourself and connect to another human being. That's a fundamental human need mm-hmm. that, you know, if you don't have, it affects your emotional well-being. And, um, like, I mean, mental health problems are really prevalent in, let's say, autistic people because they have trouble connecting. And, like, when you mentioned technology supporting some of them, being able to express, yes, it was extremely powerful mm-hmm. and it has been successful for particular people. I work in a mainstream setting. So the kind of profiles I see don't reach that level of severity. Mm. But in the hospital or in the special school settings, some of whom we sometimes still get in contact with because sometimes they do come to our mainstream and then they go to the special school as well. Um, Those places, yes, they do use technology. And it's extremely necessary. And I mean, it's really life enhancing. Mm -hmm. So we do find... um, as many ways as we can to help people connect. I think that's the point of the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about quality of life, basically. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned that early prevention is always the best, right? And um, yeah. sometimes very worrying to see um, speech uh, issues when kids mm. enter K1 or like as early as right. K2. So like, do you have any tips for young parents who are raising their child at home, you know, apart from necessary or like sending them to childcare, what can they do at yeah. home to actually stimulate what you are actually doing to the kids now? You know, how they right. can uh, do the same thing like you. <laughs> yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, it's with the generic term is called language stimulation. Mm-hmm. But it basically is to have a back and forth engagement with your child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every parent is different. Every teacher is also different and then they have different styles. But um, you don't want to be overly directive or instructive, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's quite normal for mothers or teachers to like have to move things along. So, you do a lot of instruction, directive, like do this, do that. Get this. Yeah. What you realize happens and I observe in the classroom pretty often actually is Actually, there's very little or no opportunity for the child to respond to you, Mm -hmm. much less have a back and forth conversation with you. So what you need to do with children is to actually engage with them. So play with them, like I said earlier, get get to their level and play with them, be interested in what they're doing, and then have a conversation with your children. Mm. At any age. I mean, sometimes the younger they are, it's almost easier because they're so cute and stuff. But it should be all the way, actually, even as they grow older because the development just be... I mean, like, there's the new things to learn. Um, But basically, just set aside at least some time in your busy day. Like, it could be 15 minutes at least, 20 minutes before you go to bed. At that moment, like, get into a mindset where you're not instructing. You're not in a job as a parent mm-hmm. or you know you need to get things done but you're here to enjoy your time mm-hmm. with your child yeah. and then you 
just have a back and forth like like sincerely try to understand what what your child's trying to tell you mm. and then that sort of back and forth experience and interaction is how the child will pick up um, communication skills from the adults around them yeah having said that like you should just be generally aware of what the expectations are lah, for children in terms of their communication you don't want to wait like i said until they are flat by the teachers in school like you know eh, the teacher suddenly says like you know your child doesn't want to participate in class he doesn't speak at all yeah. you know so you want to monitor for yourself like can your child you know properly express himself his needs his thoughts and feelings to you by the time a child is two years old must have a lot of single words okay mm. must have single words um must be starting to speak sentences three at three years okay so if your child is barely speaking any word and he's two and a half that's mm. way beyond already okay. <laughs> actually you should be you should be concerned and it's not so much like oh you're gonna be kanjong and then you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. everything like you know worry about this worry about no it's kind of just being a little bit more attentive mm. and aware of what's happening and intervening early yeah. so us as therapists sometimes i mean it's a little bit of less of a stigma now but Just because you see a therapist doesn't mean there's a problem. Yeah. It just means you want to ensure that your child gets that facilitation for the learning that they need to do. So I have like, for example, when as as professionals, my colleague is an occupational therapist. When his uh, when her son like you know one and a half not saying words, she's already like, I want to send this kid to a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. Because we're in the field, we're kind of like you know I'm not concerned that oh no it's a problem. It's so mm-hmm. like okay. I want a speech therapist to work with him, yeah. see if there's a problem. And then he picked up very quickly and he got discharged. And then he's developed. Mm. <laughs> so it's just about being on board and aware yeah. of your child's development and not leaving it to the last minute. And then after that, you scramble because then you start to, oh no, he's going to primary one and then you just see he's not ready. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to get to that level. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also very scary for the child. You know, when primary one, you're in a class where there's 29 mm. other other people are like you yeah. and like to to experience not being on the same level as these yes. other people is very scary lah because it can be also be, be demoralizing and frustrating like I cannot express my feelings yeah and it's not just like not being able to keep up with like the school work but also like communication with your peers yeah, I think yeah, in yeah. a social settings yeah. like in yeah. PE yeah. your confidence yeah. and like that yes. could grow into you as an adult yes. too so and then like you also mentioned like in cases where they it's a school setting like sorry uh, kindergarten setting and then mm. the teachers would flag out and say like oh your child is not communicating at all so what about what is your uh, your uh, your view on like What if a parent says, oh, she's just an introvert? You know, she's just shy. <laughs> How do we know right. being shy versus um, mm-hmm. having uh, communi- communication issues? Mm-hmm. How do we yeah. separate it's them? A common one. A common, I mean, it's easily misinterpreted as shy. You don't want, okay. So shy means it's a personality trait, mm, right? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with being shy. It means you have the skills you're just shy so even shy people should have particular contexts where they can fully express themselves okay so let's say a parent says this child is shy my question would be oh so how does he talk with you at home mm. can he answer like you know that if you ask him what happened in school is he able to tell you what happened yeah 
Uh, so sometimes what we do is like, can you give me a video sample of your child talking at home mm. so I can verify that your child's just shy or introverted. Mm. So that is a personality. It's not the language skill itself. Mm. So communication problem is with regards to that skill, the language, like using language to express your thoughts and feelings. It's completely separate from personality, which is which overlays that skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and um, you mentioned earlier about like it's about the uh, communication with peers, the social experience, the emotional experience. Exactly. So, like beyond academic success, it is more the life experience and the social engagement that is affected. That actually is more concerning because it, it can be long term, or you know, it just accumulates like confidence issues yes. you know and then they start to develop certain behavior so like again, the personality thing right it's the same child okay a child who has a language problem and is a shy child will end up just being quiet at the back of the class yeah. another child like a boisterous boy with the same language problem will start misbehaving poking the friend during mm-hmm. like classroom lesson so it presents differently because of the personality, but language skill is something else. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot. It's a whole spectrum of possibilities. Yes. <laughs> so sad. Every, every child is different. Every child is different, yeah. That yes, is true. Every, every individual is different. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there really is no, like, sample or, like, uh, no one child is the same. Mm. No cookie-cutter solution to every yes. problem, right? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Y- yeah. Yes, exactly. Cookie cutter solution. Even autism is different in every individual. Yes, yes. <laughs> on the on the idea of autism, mm-hmm. like how can speech therapy help children with autism? In your opinion, so autistic children, or like I just said, present very differently. So first of all, you have to see whether that child has many developmental problems or is it just one area or what areas um so typically though every autistic child will have issues socially communicating with people mm. meaning like let's say they even have sentences they can speak sentences they can even read entire books because uh, yes. they're quite what we call hyperlexic mm. so they are able to pick up reading quickly but they don't know how to respond to your questions. Mm. So they don't know the importance of body language. The common thing that most people know, like they don't look at your eyes, no eye contact, right? So the reason they don't know to do that is they don't know how to intuitively um, interact with people, you know, and seek out social um, con- connection. La. So what we do is that we actually teach them these things. Mm. We actually have... A curriculum there's something called social thinking curriculum there's a whole website uh, by a speech therapist in the u.s socialthinking.com where they develop books and curriculum to teach mm-hmm. children with autism especially that you know you know people have brains and people have hearts they feel differently from you they think differently mm-hmm. from you so we explicitly teach them social thinking skills like we teach a typical child math. Mm. It doesn't come nat- like math doesn't come naturally to most people. Mm. But math may come more naturally to an autistic person compared to social interaction. So social interaction is complex for them. So we teach them um, how they should be aware of body language or like looking at someone's eye is important. That's how you figure out what they're talking about. It's important to look at their eyes. If you don't look at their eyes, you don't really know what they're talking about. Sometimes we teach them these things. And then we have group activities, group games, so they get to practice those things. 
Yeah. Those are fun actually, like the group therapy stuff. Yeah. 